Welcome to the Journey of a Christian Dad podcast. I'm your host, Dan Lewis. Who is the spiritual leader of your family? Is it you, your pastor, your spouse, the media? Do you know? I did. And sadly, no one was taking responsibility to lead our family. Well, friends, someone needs to take that job, and that man is you. You may not feel qualified, and some days I don't. With the help of God and a community of dads helping each other on their journey, you can be the leader your family deserves. We welcome you to the Journey of the Christian Dad podcast. All right, guys. Excited to have you back this week. We just released that John O'Leary episode a few weeks back. And uh, if you guys haven't listened to that one, check that one out. I can't wait to get that movie made. And with that, we're going to talk a lot about movies, a lot about uh, being a dad, being a great husband. Uh, we might talk some Johnny Cash today. I can't wait to get this one going. But first, let's do the uh, review of the week. So this one comes in from RJ Third. So RJ Third does a five-star review on Apple Podcast, and he says, great podcast, great guest, great interview. Dan is a, such a great represent, representative of this journey of Christian dads. Dan's interviews are so relaxed and just get to the real conversations. So thank you, RJ the Third. Appreciate that review. And with that, like you said, we get to the real conversations. So let's get rolling. Let's get rolling. I'm excited this week. We've got Jeremy Carlson with us. So Jeremy and I met a while back at an event called the Fatherhood Commission. Thank you, Chick-fil-A, for taking care of us and Mitch Temple and everybody that puts that together. It's fantastic. And Jeremy and I connected on on movies. So he has worked on The Redemption of Johnny Cash, I Can Only Imagine, Jesus Revolution, War Room, and he's got a ministry that involves churches and how to use movies with ministry. And then he also is the host of the the co-host of the Everyday Dad podcast. So awesome to have a guy that has a podcast here and then love that you're connected to so many movies. So I used to be connected to the St. Louis Rams back when they won the Super Bowl and all that. And I knew a lot of the players and executives and stuff. Got to hear a lot of the behind the scenes stuff. So it'd be cool to talk movies, to talk fatherhood. And uh, and you've got three daughters, so like, I can't wait to get this rolling with you. Welcome to the Journey of a Christian Dad podcast. Everybody, we've got Jeremy Carlson here with us today. Good to be here, Dan. Thanks for having me. Yeah, yeah, absolutely, absolutely. What's uh, What's something about your podcast that you just love? I don't get to ask this question very often. You know, I love just meeting uh, our podcast is about half and half, half people that we have existing relationship with or that we've known for years and half people that we're just meeting for the first time. And our our thing is we like hearing from everybody, every dad. If you're a dad, you have something that you can give, something that you have learned along the way that's going to help somebody else be a better dad. So I like listening to guys. We've had guys that have been a dad for two weeks and we've had guys that have are grandfathers to 25 kids, like grandkids. And so- we like, I just like learning from different dads and kind of help encouraging them on the way. That's awesome. I love that you led with that. So oftentimes guys, we can have a feeling of inadequacy or low self-worth or don't feel that we're good enough and all those type things. And as Christians or uh, baby Christians or whatever, we can have that feeling that God doesn't love us. We're not worthy of his love and all that stuff. But you just said every dad that you bring on and dads that you don't bring on, they have something that they can share. They have something they can share. A buddy of mine 
He's been a uh, kind of general contractor, carpenter, project manager for years, and he switched jobs and he took this role inside a healthcare organization and they gave him a leadership role right off the bat. And he's like, oh, great job. Everything's perfect. And I'm a leader by title. And man, I'm going to get fired pretty quick from this because they're going to find me out. Like, I'm no good at this. And the guy that was his boss was like, dude, man, you're killing it, man. You're doing everything right. You got off to a great start. Like, man, you're a fantastic leader. You're even better than we thought when we gave you the job. <laughs> so our our perception and our negative self-talk uh, isn't always the truth. Yeah, I know one thing that you hear a lot with women in particular is you have people that are trying to encourage women that they are enough, that who they are is enough for what they're the journey that they're on. And dads don't hear that a, a lot, but that's what dads, I think one thing that dads need to hear is that they can do what they are called to do as a dad. They can lead their family well. They can be respectful to their wife and kids. They can do everything that God has put in front of them, that they're equipped already. Um, we're not perfect. <laughs> We have a whole lot to learn. I love getting to talk to people and learning different things. One thing we used to talk about on the podcast was I used to ask every dad, tell me about a dad fail, like a moment that you failed and how you rebounded from that fail. Um, because it takes them back to a moment where they maybe they snapped at their kid when they shouldn't have. And it gives them the ability to own up to it, but then also did they accept responsibility for it? Did they go back yeah. to their child that's seven years old and doesn't know any better that they just, dad just snapped at them and they don't know why. Did they go back to them and say, they're sorry. Are we modeling that for our kids? Are we modeling the way we're treating our wife to our kids? I've got three daughters. And so I have a whole lot that I have to teach my girls about the way a man should treat them. And so it is this huge charge that I wake up every day that I want to make sure that the way they see me treat their mom is the way they should be expected to be treated. 100, 100, 100%. So throw you on the spot here. You may have an answer for this one. You may be like, no, this is a new concept for me. I don't know. But I've got two daughters, same age range as yours. And years ago, somebody says, hey, what are you doing for your daughters for Valentine's Day? And I went- yeah. Oh, <laughs> yeah, it's interesting. So I have a wife that I've been married for 14 years. Um, she's not a fan of Valentine's Day. Okay. Um, and when we, we started dating like a month before Valentine's Day, and she let me know very quickly that, hey, Valentine's Day is not my thing. And so I'd rather not have you spend tons of money to celebrate a specific day. Find She'd rather me find ways to celebrate her throughout the year. Yeah, um, yeah, I it is a rare occurrence in my house to not have fresh flowers on the table. Right. Um, my kids, if we go to the grocery store, if they're with me or something, they're like, "Are we getting flowers from mom today?" Okay. Um, so we, so instead in of instead yeah, of spending in a ton of money on roses on Valentine's Day that are going to wilt in two weeks, um, I might spend ten dollars a week to make sure that there's flowers in here. So. We don't celebrate Valentine's Day that well. I kind of got off a little easy because there's no pressure to it. Um, but I still make sure my kids, because they're not their mother. So right. yes, it wasn't important for their mother and it never was for her, but it could be important for them. So I still get them a flower on Valentine's Day, yeah. just one single flower, make sure that they understand, hey, that 
This is just a day that people choose to celebrate love and other people like our family, we choose to celebrate it throughout the year. Yep. Yep. Absolutely. So that's really cool that you do something individually for your daughters and make them feel, you know, worthy, respected, loved. And you, Mm -hmm. you know, it's a, a real expression that you thought of them as opposed to blowing right past the holiday and not really acknowledging it for them. And yeah. I'm glad somebody clued me into that years ago because it's been really, really cool to keep that up every year. Yeah. Yeah. Last year, they're like, Dad, take us to Outback for Valentine's Day. I'm like, kids, you don't understand. <laughs> this is probably not the day of the year you guys want to actually go out for dinner. And uh, <laughs> it was maybe an hour before we got sat at the table, an hour before they took our order, and maybe two hours later, they got us our food. It was like the worst. <laughs> Yeah, I try not to go to a restaurant. Go to a Mexican restaurant on Valentine's Day. Those aren't that busy. There you go. Pro tip, guys. guys. (laughs) That's awesome. I love it. I love it. So tell us a little bit about um, movies. Like, what are some like things that you love about that? Connections you've made, or or just anything? I'm. We've got so many to pick from that you've worked on over the past. Yeah, I. So I was a youth pastor full-time for about 10 years, uh, serving in a church here in Nashville, Tennessee. And so I had 120 kids, students from 7th to 12th grades that I used to pour into every single week. And then I felt that that was kind of shifting and God was calling me to something different. And I had a friend approach me that worked in faith-based films. And he said, hey, we're looking for someone that kind of has a marketing background, but also has experience being on church staff at a large church and what would you think about it? And so for me, it was just the next stage of ministry for me um, because instead of pouring into the 120, I would see every single week, it allows me to expand that reach. And so I have been blessed to work on a little over 30 movies the past 10 years from God's Not Dead to War Room and uh, like you just said, the redemption of Johnny Cash, you talked about from St. Louis. I worked on American underdog, which was the Kurt Warner movie that came out. Two Christmas oh, nice. Ago. No way. Yeah. And so I have been blessed to be able to like a movie, like I can only imagine that movie came out. And at the end of that movie, I remember I did one of the first screenings we did publicly of that. And that movie dealt with the father wound so well. And so I did a screening for about 600 people at a denominational meeting and it was a late night screening. So the movie didn't start till like nine 30 and it ends at 1130. And I was there for an hour and a half after because people wanted to talk about their dad and they wanted to talk about their relationship with their father. They wanted to cry to me about how the movie touched them so well. And I remember going back to my hotel room at two in the morning and sending an email to the rest of the team and saying, we have to be ready to respond to the people that are going to need a conversation after this movie. And so we added into the credits of that movie that if you want to talk about faith, visit this website. If you need counseling and you need to talk to someone about what you've just experienced, here's a phone number that you can call. We partnered with a ministry. And as of last, I heard that movie came out a long time ago at this point. Uh, last I heard, there'd been over half a million people that had reached out and responded to what that movie said. So for me, it was like the culmination of this is what God wanted me to do. Like I, I went from pouring into the hundred to having worked on a movie. I worked on that movie for 13 months. 
I traveled a ton. I screened it 35 times for people around the country, and it has reached millions and millions of people around the world. That's so crazy. So let's break down the math here just real quick. The Kendrick brothers talked about this at the Fatherhood Commission when we got to to hang out with them and hear their story. And they were both pastors and they said, you know, in your case, 100, 120 a week, you know, 5,000 people a year, 6,000 people a year inside of a church. So if you're rocking it, you're able to affect 6,000, you know, maybe it's the same 120, 200, whatever the number is, but that's where your reach is. And the Kendrick brothers were saying, you know, if we could go around preaching all around town and 500 people a week and 50 weeks and 25,000 or whatever the number is. And like, and then we started making movies and thought, you know, we can reach millions with each movie, tens of millions in some cases. I'm like, holy cow. Uh, So it's awesome to make great movies and to be involved with great movies. And then you tie it all in with bringing the movie to churches and how, how to help churches use that ministry. Yeah. It's a, like the Kendrick brothers are good friends of mine. I've had the pleasure to work on a bunch of their films. And the amazing thing about them is before they start making a movie, they don't just come up with an idea. They truly seek what direction God would have them to go. And so what they usually do is they feel like they have been received from God, a biblical topic, something that they need to tackle. So with courageous, it was it was fatherhood. With war room, it's prayer. With overcomer, it's overcoming adversity and so on. And what they do is then they make a movie that tells that story and that helps drive home that biblical truth. And it encourages the church on how they can do it. So a pastor can get up there and talk about prayer and how important it is. But when you see Miss Clara in war room turning her closet into her truly her prayer closet in her war room, and that's where she fights her battles, it has the power to truly transform people. Um, So thankfully, most of the movies I work on have the ability that churches can then take those truths and use them for their ministry. I say all the time when I host a screening, every single time I host a screening, and I have hosted thousands of screenings, is I stand up there at the end and I make sure that the pastors and leaders in the room understand that yes, the movie was made for you to be entertained. But at the end of the day, we hope that a conversation can start in a movie theater with something they experience and then can be followed up with in the church on a Sunday or a Wednesday or across the dinner table from someone that needs encouragement. That life transformation can happen, that the spark of that can happen because of something they experience in a movie theater. Absolutely. So I knew we were obviously getting together today since we had this on the schedule. And you mentioned, I can only imagine. I'm like, you know, that movie has been on my list for a long time and I've just never got it on the family TV. You know, you've got Mm -hmm. the little girls that say, dad, I want to watch this. Dad, I want to watch this. Yeah. Your wife, you know, gets a vote too and all that. And maybe you're outvoted. So I was outvoted a number of different times and never got to see that movie. And I thought, oh my gosh, I haven't seen it. Like I'm making this happen tonight. So I watched it last night. And you're talking about getting emotional and getting deep with a movie. And I finished watching the movie in bed on my phone and my wife looks over. She goes, are you crying? I go, yeah. And I, I couldn't hardly get yeah out of my mouth because it was quivering. I'm like that movie was like joyous. And I just love the, loved loved the movie it it took a little bit at the very very beginning to 
get into the different characters and what was about to happen. And, um, you know, I totally expected the dad to like immediately beat the tar out of the kid or something, but that didn't happen. Like it took a little while to progress through the, through that part. And then, you know, the kid rebelling and, you know, uh, I'm like, ah, uh, anyway, but man, I, I was absolutely in tears last, last night. And then this morning I go and uh, run a couple miles with the group that I run with. And like, anybody got anything you want to share? I'm like, dude, I don't know if you guys have seen, I can only imagine, but man, do yourself a favor, watch that movie. And if you can bring your wife in and, and your kids in and watch this thing, it's oh so good. So you mentioned that at the end, having the two different resources for people to call, I saw that and was like, wow, this is brilliant because there's an action step to take. You're feeling just overwhelmed and moved to do something and the two steps right there. Yeah. And for us, that action step at the end of the movie was had nothing to do with marketing. It had everything to do with the response of the person who's going to experience the film. Um, there was, there, you go to the, if you go to that website, there is nothing salesy about the website. The website is let's chat about faith and how we're going to talk about faith and how we're going to help you in your faith. And so that was something we were very specific with that we didn't want them to send them to the movie website where they can buy tickets or they can buy the DVD or anything like that. We wanted to send them someplace where they could uh, have someone help them talk about what they've experienced. Um that movie touched on the father wound so well because it was a true story. It was something that really uh, people could see themselves in that. Um, I've, I'm blessed. I had a great dad. My dad is an amazing dad. He lives about three miles away from me. I see him a couple times a week. Um, and he was a great dad, but not everybody has that story. And we are all different. And so being able to make something like I can only imagine and work on something like that um, that's going to help people that maybe don't have the the great dad story in their life. And the soundtrack to that movie so so good. Yeah, so so good. Yeah, I'd been wanting to see that. I love Mercy Me, and I'm like, so uh, as a uh, a fail on my part, having not had seen that movie by now. But yeah, got it in last night because of you. So thank you. So let's talk a little bit about uh, Jesus Revolution. Yeah, so Jesus Revolution is a movie. It's going to come out in a couple of weeks. It's going to be released nationwide on February 24th. Um, and it's a movie all about revival, about the start of the Jesus movement back in the 70s, people that got saved there. And just the heart behind the movie is we want to see revival in this country again. We think this country needs it. And we wanted to make a movie that tells this story and kind of helps people open kind of reminds another generation of what happened. Um, Cause there's great. My, my grandfather got saved in those, in that movement. And there's so many people that I've met along the way that they have a story to share about being saved in that movement. But I didn't know the movement really existed because that's not how old I am. And right. so we're trying to allow a new generation to kind of experience that. That funny thing about that movie, it we were set to go to production with that movie in April of 2020. We okay. were four weeks away from starting production on shooting that movie when COVID hit this country and we got shut down. So we couldn't make the movie because the whole country got shut down and people couldn't do anything. And so it sat there for years and years and years. And then finally, uh, it's coming to theaters. So you and I obviously have both got to see it. I got to see it at a pre-screening 
uh, which was hilarious because they had a, a song in there and the background was uh, My Sweet Lord. And then in the background, it's Hare Krishna. Yeah. <laughs> the Wait, producers- see, see, Dan got to see a, a pre-screening <laughs> of an unfinished movie. So that's I we kind of always try to make people understand that uh, a lot of times when you make movies, it takes a long time. So you have to do what's called something like you have to picture lock. You have to decide exactly what the pictures on the screen are going to be before you can do the score, before you can choose the exact music. And so you just have temp music in there. You have songs in there that are the kind of feel that you're looking for. And uh, one of the editors put My Sweet Lord in there, which is not a Christian song. And not at all. Not because, even close. Not at all. Not even close. It's the opposite. <laughs> by by um, title, yes. By Yes. Uh, and I think, and it was just a matter of they just hey, this is the type of feel that we're going to need for this moment. And yeah, so yeah. Uh, oh, we screened that version of the film for a while. And every single time you had someone come up and be like, hey, you realize that's not a Christian song? And it was like, yes, we do realize it is not a Christian song. It is not going to be in the movie. It is just the temp music. I remember so- early screenings of other movies. And it's like, that sounds like the Braveheart soundtrack in the background. And it is because it's, or that sounds like the Lord of the Rings, even. And it's because the filmmakers or the editor like that type of music. They like those films. And so they just throw that in there as background music because someone's going to do the score later. So, yep. Yep. That's nice. My wife was sitting right next to me and I start elbowing her as soon as that song came on. I'm like, honey, honey. <laughs> She's like, what? I'm like, this song. She's like, it's cool. Like, it kind of fits with the theme of the movie and the, like, yeah, it's good. I'm like, no. <laughs> and then at the end they're like all right anybody got any feedback on the movie anything needs to be changed and the whole audience is looking at each other like ah. yeah and like the josh i think was up front he says hey uh this the the last song or the second to last song is that is that what you guys want to talk about yeah <laughs> yep that's it it's like we had screened wow. it enough that we knew that that was going to come up so we just try to head it off in the pass yeah yeah it was great it was great and i think the explanation was yeah we know how it was picked, you know, we told them filter out for these kinds of songs and look for ones that don't cost a fortune. And somebody suggested one and the guy goes, we can't use that one. That one costs too much. Yeah. <laughs> like how cool to get into the behind the scenes movie stuff and understand that you do have dollars and cents you got to worry about. And sometimes that's how songs get selected. And then you know, maybe get super popular because of a movie and the song might not have been all that popular. Anyway, that that was really cool to kind of get the before finished cut and uh, yeah. kind of share that experience and know that about the movie. So that was, that was really, really fun. What was something that you took away from the movie that you just thought was like the coolest thing? No, the movie, uh, it's about Greg Laurie and, and Chuck Smith. That's kind of the start of Calvary Chapel and Greg Laurie, um, so back, a, so back in the day, guys, we're talking the hippies, like the straight yes. up hippies. We're going for like all of it. We want the truth. We want, you know, what makes what makes people happy. And the answer they came up with was sex, drugs, and rock and roll. Let's roll with this for a while and see what happens because this is the truth. This is what brings out our true self and blah 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 and all you know everything the hippies stood for. And you know, so this isn't um, you know some super whitewashed movie that strips away everything about the hippie culture. Like it's got stuff in there. Uh, in my opinion, kids can watch it. Uh, I think it's visible, but not uh, glorified if you will. And it 
it shows a couple things in the movie like uh the side effects of being wasted and driving a, a hippie van uh, a vw bus you run into stuff yeah it's a uh, for us like it's a true story like i said it's greg Laurie's story of him kind of seeking to find truth and what that looked like for him and looking in the wrong places and then finding god along the way and what that truly transformed his life and go from there and so it it does definitely shows some things that lead to a downfall and it shows it's a it's rated pg-13 um my kids are going to watch it when it comes to theaters because yes it does show that type of stuff but it's not glorified in any way it is just shown in a way that is what the, was true to the story. When you tell true stories, you can't really just whitewash everything out of it because you have to, there's a real person. Like there's a, per, especially this movie is a person, Greg Laurie, who stands up in front of thousands of people at his church every single weekend and preaches a sermon. So people are aware of his story. Um, it highlights that we're flawed people. We are all flawed people, um, but God can use each of us and that God has a plan for us. Um, I like that there's a very clear representation of the gospel in the film. Uh, you see people's lives getting transformed. Um, you see one of the guys that plays in the movie is Jonathan Rumi, which most yes. people will know as Jesus from the chosen. Um, and he plays this hippie pastor guy named Lonnie Frisbee. And Jonathan does such an amazing job of just kind of sharing what that hippie mindset was in how Jesus is the way that is the truth. I saw him come on screen and I thought there is no way this guy is going to be able to pull off a character that fits. And sure enough, he was amazing. Yeah. He, he, he does such a good job in the movie. Um, you got Kelsey Grammer. He plays Chuck Smith. So it's like those of us that remember Frazier, you remember, you're like, oh, that's Frazier on the screen. And same thing. He's, there is he's a man no of faith. Way. There's no way he's going to pull off being a church pastor. Yeah. And he's a man of faith. And there's a, we have some resources out there and some videos. There's one that it has Kelsey Grammer and Jonathan Rumi, and they go back and forth, kind of talk about the characters they play in their own faith. And it's just, it's just amazing. It's a, like, cool like I said, I've worked on about that. Yeah, I've worked on over 30 different movies, and there's probably a handful that I really was. I can look back and say, hey, that's one of my favorite movies I've worked on, um, or it has the power to really encourage and transform people. And this is one of them. This is, I've worked on saying I've worked on God's Not Dead, War Room. Like, I can only imagine this is another one that is up there at the top that I feel like God is up to something with this story. Yes. Yeah, 100%. And so, you move past the sex, drugs, and rock and roll, and then they go, oh, cool. It is Jesus, the way, the truth, and the life. Like, and like points right to it and, and shows kind of the progression. And the funny thing is you being younger, you're like, I don't remember all that stuff from back in the day. I can, I caught the tail end of it. So I can remember, you know, a lot of the stuff. I remember the Time Magazine cover that came out and said, God is dead. And then a few years later, the embedded reporter stayed with him this whole time. And then the cover was Jesus Revolution. And uh, I'm like, yeah, I remember hearing about that stuff when I was a kid. And just absolutely amazing the way that they were able to recreate what it was like back then. And I think they did a really, really good job. Yeah. One of the cool things about it is it's being distributed by Lionsgate, 
which if you're familiar with Lionsgate, that is one of the top seven Hollywood studios out there. This is the same studio that made the Hunger Games. This is the same studio that a couple weeks after Jesus Revolution hits theaters, you have John Wick 4. And so they make these movies and they release these movies that aren't the most uplifting, but they can be huge blockbusters. And they funded the making of a movie that the title is Jesus Revolution and is all about revival. So it's like you got it. They're funding us getting the word out there about revival. And it's amazing. So to be clear, guys, he just said Lionsgate funded the movie. So he used the word they, but they is referencing Lionsgate. I was floored when I found that out. Yeah, it's a, it's an amazing, it's, it's really a God thing that they came alongside the story and they are believing it in enough to resource it and get it out there to as many people as possible. Yeah, it's, uh, it's awesome. And they've funded some other Christian movies as well. They have. Yeah, that was shocking to me. I had no idea. Yeah, they actually released American Underdog. That was with Kingdom Story Company, just like this one is. They released a movie called I Still Believe, um, which was about Jeremy Camp and his story. Yeah. Um, dealing, yeah. dealing with loss. So, yeah, yeah. Super, super cool. Um, you mentioned War Room. War Room, was that the one where they ran out of money while they were filming it? Yeah, the Kendrick brothers have told that story many places that they uh, they wanted to start filming the movie. Because when you make a movie, you can't just be like, hey, we'll start on Monday. Like You have to start with pre-production weeks and weeks and months ahead of time. And that one, the funding hadn't come all the way through from the distributor at the time. And so Steve and the distributor and Alex, he talked about was Sony. Was Sony, another so one Sony's of those got plenty big, of money, right? Yeah, but there's agreements that have to be in place. And all, budgets all that, all and, that. But yeah, I'll, I'll point out yeah. the fact that if I'm making the movie and I'm thinking Sony's got my back money wise, and yeah. then I say, hey, I need more money. And you told me you'd give me this much money. Like the check's coming. Like, I don't have to worry about that. And then yeah, things it took It took forever for them. And they just were like, we have to start going. And so they, uh, Stephen and Alex Kendrick, basically took their life savings from each of them and what they had made from past films. And they, okay, we're going to start production because you have to pay people every single week. And so they started production and uh, they got to a moment that they were going to run out of money the next day, that there was not enough money in the bank. The check had not come from Sony yet. And they truly were, they were, they tell the story so well, I'm going to do a bad job out of it, but they were sitting in a car and they were praying and they got a random phone call from someone and they just wanted to check in and see how the guys were doing. And they so, said, so, I'll, so I'll, I'll stop you there for just a second. So they literally were praying for like 30 minutes or something. Like, yeah. you know, it sounded like the passion of the Christ where they're like emotional and in tears. And the accountant had just said, Hey, you want me to tell the guys, you know, wrap up the set and you ain't getting a check this week and deal with it. And they're like, no, no, we don't want to go to that move yet. Well, what move yeah. are we going to use? I don't have that one yet. Let me go figure it out and go figure it out was like, go to a, an intense prayer session. And immediately after they stopped praying, the phone rings. So take it from there. Yeah. The phone rings and it was a, a friend of theirs. And they, the guy said, Hey, I feel like I was supposed to call you guys today and check on you. Is there anything you need? And they said, well, actually we need money because they told the story of where they were at. And the guy said, okay, I'll send you. And I think it was half a million dollars. 
And the guy sent them half a million dollars. And he's like, this is not a loan. This is not an investment in the movie. This is something that God told me to give you. And so they were able to keep going. And a week later, Sony's money came in and the movie came out. I think the way Alex says it, he's like, you know, how's the movie going? He's like, well, you know, it's going all right. And the guy says, hmm, you need any money? (laughs) And he goes, as a matter of fact, I do. And he's thinking to himself, well, I need 500 grand. He goes, and that's what escaped my mouth. And as soon as it got out of my mouth, I thought, why didn't I say 10 grand? Like, that was stupid. <laughs> <laughs> it's a it's an amazing story to me of when you feel like God has told you to do something, you need to just do it. You have to find a way just to, it, it is a huge testing of faith. Um but when they truly felt that God said that I'm going to provide for this because this is a vision and this is a mission I've given you, that you're going to have to have the faith and trust that God's going to provide for it. Um, and Stephen and Alex and Shannon Kendrick, they walk so well in that, knowing that they're not making a movie just for someone to be entertained. They're making something that can truly transform someone's life. That movie, oh, War Room just the encouragement of what it can do to people's prayer lives. I I hear all the time, still to this day, people talk about, I'll see someone post on Instagram or anything like that, that this is my war room. This is where I go to pray. And it looks very similar to post-it notes on the wall of prayer requests and similar to what Miss Clara was doing in that movie. But yeah, such an encouragement. Do you remember how he pitched it to Sony? I don't remember that story. So he, um, yeah, a series of movies, very successful. Sony's very happy with them. Like you keep making movies that keep killing it and you've knocked them all out of the park. There hasn't been one that there was a swing and a miss on. And so he says, all right, guys, I got the next movie. It's about this lady. She goes into a closet and she prays. And he's like, you know, give me the money. <laughs> <laughs> he's like, yeah, that sounds so exciting. Like, here movie theater place just take my money for a lady on her knees praying in a closet like you know sign me up give i want to buy the whole movie theater out kind of thing and he's like the guy looks at him and goes you know everybody deserves to have a flop underneath their belt (laughs) so we'll fund it (laughs) yeah and 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 it magically you look at it and you're like what did god choose to do uh, yeah. with that miss clara and the funny thing about miss clara like she's she's this old african-american grandmother that goes in the closet and she they made her look 30 years older than she actually is like she's okay. not an old person at all and she's just one of those most endearing characters in any movie i've ever worked on is people just like they see that grandmother in miss clara and how miss clara can just help people and encourage you there's a, a used to be a football player in St. Louis. He just got hired on to be a coach at uh, Detroit Lions. And Miss Clara reminds me of his mom. Like just God fearing, you know, woman of faith, super strong. Anybody around her that's close in her circle, she just correct them quick as anything. And nobody wants to get on the wrong side of, of this particular lady. So I'm watching that movie and just dying to myself laughing, thinking of his mom and seeing that 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 film was amazing i loved it what about johnny cash we haven't talked about johnny cash yet 
Yeah, so I was involved, uh, came out last December. It's uh, called The Redemption of Johnny Cash. It was a Fathom event, which meant it was in theaters for a couple days. Um, and it's going to be out on a streaming platform soon. But it just really highlighted his faith. A lot of people, um, he was a very popular person. Everybody knows Johnny Cash. Everybody knows some of his songs. Um, and faith was always something that was uh, in the back of his mind and something that he, even when he would go through seasons where he was not walking the way he should walk, um, his faith was something that he always was able to come back to. And so we kind of took a look at his faith over the years and kind of the redemption story and how God still used him. We talked about his relationship with Billy Graham. A lot of people didn't know that Johnny Cash used to play at Billy Graham Crusades. So he'd be playing secular sold out shows one day. And then two days later, he'd be at a Billy Graham crusade playing right before Billy Graham would get up there and share the gospel. And so we talk about that and we just really highlight um, it's a, it's a messy movie because he was a messy man. Like yeah, he, yeah. he, we don't shy away from like he committed adultery. He with June Carter cash, like in their relationship and kind of how it was still, he was still being able to be used by God. Um, and then even later in his life, like releasing a song like hurt that is still to this day, one of the most popular songs of all time. Um, and it's not that it's not a religious song at all, but people that have faith seem to gravitate towards that because they, they see so much um, in that story and how much hurt and yeah it, it's an amazing story yeah, i remember when that one came out and uh people around were like i didn't know johnny cash was religious and like well look him up like there's actually quite a bit about his faith out there in the media uh elvis too yeah it's a they're just larger than life characters and they're so famous and so successful on the music side that sometimes their faith gets lost because it's not something that they're going up there and saying every single time they're in front of a microphone. But that's why we wanted to tell the story is just to be able to allow people to hear a little bit more of a glimpse. There's great documentaries about Johnny Cash out there. There's great movies about his life out there, um, but none of them that really touched on his faith. Yeah. Yeah. That, that was really cool. I had no idea before a few minutes before we got to record that you were involved on in that one. And uh, that one's another one that I want to see here soon. So glad to know it'll come out on streaming here very, very soon. Yeah. It's like I said, I get to work with some of the most amazing filmmakers and tell some of the, the best stories out there and just kind of help people find uh, a way to like, I kind of, we kind of talk about how we want people to be able to find and follow Jesus and what we do. So there's going to be someone that's going to watch a documentary about Johnny Cash because they love his music and they're going to see themselves in that story that it's okay to stumble. It's okay to fall, um, but to have the backbone and be in community with the Heavenly Father is going to be the best way to go about it. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So you're talking about huge songs out there. I didn't know that I can only imagine as the number one sold christian song and most listened to christian song ever it's it, it most people don't know most people everybody knows the song um but that song was such a crossover hit because um even if you're not a person of faith if you're experiencing loss um that song would be played at a funeral of someone that never stepped foot in a church 
because people, the, the family that is grieving would see comfort in that song because it allows them to think about their loved one being in heaven and what they can imagine what it's going to be like and and so on. It, yeah, that song was such an amazing uh, thing to be able to tell the story of the writing of that song and what went into um, Bart and Mercy Me and how they wrote that song and just the story behind it. It was amazing. As I'm listening to it, watching it, listening to it last night in bed, my wife, that song comes on and my wife goes, Ooh, I love that song. <laughs> you, you hear the first couple piano notes of that song and you know exactly what song it is. Instantly recognizable. Yep. yep. Instantly recognizable. So that was really, really cool. And in the movie, I don't think this is a spoiler, guys, if you haven't seen it, but uh, he's got his little journal out and in this journal, there's like little one sentence things and stuff. And then out of nowhere, he gets this look and he looks up and he's like, okay, God. And he just knocks out the lyrics to, I can only imagine. And he tells Amy Grant, she's like, there's no way you wrote this song in 10 minutes. Yeah. Um, and that's the true story. It is like, it was not sensationalized for a movie. That is the true story is Bart was on a bus and sat there in his journal and was flipping through pages and kind of reeling with his own grief. And that song came to him that quickly. Yeah. Yeah. I, I just thought that's funny how every page has got like one little sentence, maybe a question. And then he hits that page and just fills it up with the song. And I'm like, that's so cool. Have you ever had a spot where you just felt like you weren't actually doing it, that God was doing it and you he was sort of getting the words coming out of your mouth or getting the words, you know, on the typewriter or computer or, or writing it out, or maybe you're working with your family or your kids and you're like, just overcome with like the Holy spirit working through you. Yeah. I I've had a couple of moments in my life that I can really look back on. Um, even back when I was a, a pastor full-time at a church dealing with youth, I remember one night speaking at a summer camp and walking and not remembering what I talked about that night, but remembering 20 students got saved. And I remember walking outside of the chapel uh, and just having a moment of that I was so overcome that I had been able to be used by God and not even remember looking at my notes one time to know what I said. Mm. Uh, mm. So there's definitely been a few moments in my life that thankfully I can look at and understand that it was not me. Um, it was kind of the Holy Spirit working through me. Did you have somebody come up to you afterwards, maybe an adult, that said, look what you did. You did amazing. Yeah. It, and those are the moments that uh, in the flesh, it's very easy for you to be like, thanks. Um, but really, I rem I've had people talk about that specific night. Um, I've had students that I'm still involved with. They're not students anymore. They're in their 30s now. And uh I've had ones that I've talked to that, hey, it's not me. Like that was specifically that night that there is nights as a, as a pastor and a youth pastor, there's times that you're, you're muscling through a, a sermon or a lesson because you're trying to teach something. Um, but that was one of those nights that I, anybody ever asked me about it, that it, that it was not me, that was God working through me. Um, and that was something to be grateful for. I, when that happened in the movie, it instantly reminded me of a time that was pretty recent. And uh, my family went on a, a beach vacation, got there the first day, later on in the day, went out in the afternoon and ran straight to the beach. So like we set our bags down and just ran to the beach and we took the little beach cart out 
and I very carefully put my wedding ring underneath some shoes that I put in the corner of the cart. So there's, you know, 12, 16 inches of height in a corner, covered, packed, wedged. And then I go out and play in the ocean. <laughs> like, and I come back hours later and I go to get my ring and it's gone. There's nobody around. There hadn't been anybody really around. It was just me, my kids, and my wife. Nobody else was at the cart that I saw, but it was gone, absolutely gone. And so I type up the next morning, um, I type up the story about it, and it got, I don't know how many, hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of comments, maybe hundreds of shares where people saw it, thought it was a great story and shared it. And my wife goes, like she wakes up. And she says, hey, uh, I just checked Facebook. Did you write this? I, I did. I don't know how many words it was, a thousand or 1500 words. It was, it was a wordy post. And she goes, this isn't like you. Like, it's like somebody else wrote this. I said, honey, somebody else did write this. I was the one physically typing but I really don't think I wrote this. Like, she was, how long does it take? I'm like, it took about an hour. But I think I was just there. I was just passing words through me. I'm like, these weren't really, I didn't really think about this story. It just happened. And, you know, all the emotion and the anger and all the stuff. And the ending of the story was some random guy from a workout group that I'm a part of in St. Louis says, hey, I can't help you, man. I post on social media. In, inside like the the beach area community and some guys like hey man i can't help you at all but i know this guy that might be able to <laughs> and he you know tags some other guy and sure enough that other guy calls me and he's like hey man i can't get there right now but i could get there in like an hour and a half or whatever it was <laughs> i'm really sorry i can't get there right <laughs> sure enough brings a metal detector down to the beach and swipes it a few times and like holy cow we may have just found it dug down just right there and like unbelievable what had happened somebody grabbed something out of the thing lifted the ring it fell right over the lip of the the little wagon and i got my wedding ring back but yeah i was super upset you know you've had your wedding ring now 14 15 years yeah i i wear a rubber one most of the time uh just for that exact reason that if i lose it or something uh i'm an active dad i coach my kids softball teams so a lot of times i'm like hey I just kind of have this little rubber one that I wear. Yeah. Um, and then I'll wear my other one a couple of days a week. I just kind of switch back and forth depending on what I'm doing those days. So, yep, yep. That makes sense. That makes sense. One of the comments some of the guys made was that thing comes off. <laughs> like, they, you know, they wear theirs all the time no, under every circumstance. And mine's certainly a on off type of ring depending on the physical activity that I'm doing. I coach the softball team, so I won't wear my ring when I do that and that kind of thing. But yeah, yeah, you get attached to it, man. You do. It wasn't, it wasn't the dollar amount of it, it was the fact that that one was the original ring. Like, I want yeah. that one. My wife's like, I'm going to shop and find you a nice ring. I'm like, no, I'll go get one for a dollar. Like, I don't care about what it looks like. I care yeah, about it. You know the relationship. Yeah, absolutely. So, you like to ask dads on your podcast, "What was a dad fail that you want to share?" Oh, <laughs> so- <laughs> you're turning the turning it back on me. Yeah, absolutely. You know the biggest moments 
that I have, and it's been a couple times. I've got three daughters, like I said, been a dad for almost 11 years now. Um, for me, the moments that I feel the most are when I am not fully present. Um, and what I mean by that is when I'm not fully present, I'm not focusing on what my daughter is asking or saying or needing. And so my response is one that is short. Now, that is my Achilles heel as a dad is that there is times that I, if I'm not focusing correctly, I'm going to be short with my daughter. And that is not what she is asking. And it's, and it could be completely legitimate that dad is busy. Dad is in the middle of doing something. Um, but that they're looking at me and asking for my attention. Um, and a lot of times when our kids are asking something from us, it is not about the specific thing they're asking for us as it is that they want that connection at that moment. So my biggest fails have always been when I am too short with them or I snap at them. And I have, over the years, I have made sure that I, I try to go back to them and be like, Hey, I'm sorry. Like, I'm sorry that that didn't happen. Like my kids, it's random. Like my daughters will like, Hey, when you wake us up in the morning, play this worship song on, we have like Alexa's all around the house kind of thing, play this song. And even this week, it was one of those moments where my daughter had asked me what song to play. And that's not what I had chose to play the next morning. Cause I forgot that she had asked me to play that. Cause I was focusing on trying to get three kids in bed at eight 30 at night on a Monday night. I yeah. wasn't focusing on when she said, Hey dad, I want you to play this specific worship song in the morning. And so I uh, got to, and she was like, dad, you were supposed to play that. And I was like rushed. I'm like, I'm getting three kids ready for school out the door so I can get in the office for work. And I think that day I was actually getting, I was getting on an airplane. I was flying out of town. So I was like, I got to get you guys to school. I got to get to the airplane to go out of town. And uh, when I got to the airport, it was like one of those bigger moments for her that, hey, I had asked you specifically when you were praying with me and kissing me goodnight the night before to play this song. It wasn't important enough to, for me to remember the next morning because there were so many other things going on in my mind. Right. Yeah. Um, and I messed up there. And so in that moment, it was, it was Monday of this week. I was getting on an airplane. I was going to be back on Tuesday. I get to the airport and I sent my daughter an email at school. My kids oh, don't nice. have cell phones or any of that kind of yeah, stuff, yeah. but they're on their little they school email these days. They, yeah. they do. And so I sent her an email and I said, I'm sorry. Like you had asked me to do that. I'm sorry. I didn't focus on doing that. We're going to do it another day this week. And I got a response back that uh, just made me, just made my my week as a dad because it was just one of those things of, hey, like, uh, it's okay. Like, we know that it's okay. We know that it's going to be totally fine. The actual response, because I ended it with love you. She said, love you too. The way that you build our family up makes me smile. And it was like, I'm done. Like there's nothing. I, re, I took a screenshot of the email because I'm like, I want to remember that moment that what it takes to apologize for something I did wrong or was perceived as doing wrong. Uh, she received and understood that, hey, yeah, I love you. It's all forgiven. And just that extra line of what you do to build our family up makes me smile. I'm like doing something okay as a dad. And this was the response from your daughter? That was a response from my 10-year-old, yeah. It sounds like something that come from your wife. Yeah, it, that was from my daughter. 10 years old. Wow, that is awesome. Yeah. 
So boy dads, sorry. A lot of times I don't quite have the language yet, but girl dads, at least my oh, daughters. Oh yeah, for sure. Yeah, my daughters, they they can talk like that too. And it blows me away when I get some response like that. Like that is super, super awesome. So you know how I avoid getting set up for failure like uh, like that? How do you do it? So daddy, will you do this in the morning? Absolutely, I will, 100%. Can you do something for me though? Can you remind me? Yes. Yes. Hey, about, you know, what we're going to do this at like 710. Yeah. Okay. About 705 or 707. Can you remind me? Yeah, dad, I can do that. Okay, great. <laughs> that That's a, that's a tool that I'm using as well. Like I, <laughs> I'll let them choose songs on the way to school, like which song they'll, that they want me to play on my phone. And so yesterday on the way to school, we only got to two of the three songs that they wanted. And so this morning on the way to school, they were like, Hey, you didn't get to her song yesterday. What are you going to do? And I'm like, Hey, don't worry. Like we're going to make sure we get to her song. And not five minutes later, it came playing on the radio. Nice. And it was like, Hey, this is perfect. I know it's going to happen. It's going to be great. That is awesome. That is awesome. Have you got anything you want to share with the guys? You know, you run a podcast as well. Any advice, tip, or funny story that's happened over the years that you want to share or share with the guys? You know, my biggest tip as a dad is in the 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 topic that I love the most when I see it modeled in dads is intentionality. Um, if you can be intentional as a dad and find moments to model that to your kids, like you said, being intentional with, hey, will you remind me to do that? Kids magically will go, they're going to remind you to do that because that's the way they're wired and they're not thinking about the million things that we are um so as for me when i uh kind of made a shift as a dad um it was when i became more intentional um intentional with my time i want my kids to see my face more than they see the back of my phone and so that's not saying as adults i get it we all use our phones as a way to escape from everything that's going on in life and busyness. And there's times you just need to be able to scroll to kind of relax and decompress from the day. Um, But my kids are going to know what color my eyes are more than they're going to know what color my phone is. And that's something I had to be intentional about because I was not just wired that I wanted to do it that way. Um, I found myself when I was, when they were younger, that I would just be easily having a phone in my hand uh, instead of, uh, it's one of those things that when you think about it, would you rather take a picture of a moment or actually experience the moment without the phone in front of you? And yeah, I have kind of so tough. That's like I kind of shifted this week. Uh, here's a funny thing about that. This week, uh, I'm a basketball fan. I'm a Lakers fan. I grew up in California. So you had LeBron James. He breaks the record for the most points ever scored in NBA history. And there's this picture that's kind of gone a little viral around it is in the background of the shot. Um, all you see in the people in the stands is everybody has their phone up because everybody wants to, for themselves, they want to capture that moment so they can see that they're there and remember it. And there's like six kids that you can see in the picture that when you zoom in different places, they're too young to have a phone and their eyes are so big and it's so going to be burned into their memory that they experienced it and they didn't have a phone in their hand. And it was like, that's a really good reminder that sometimes we need to be more present by actually being present and not just being in the same room. 
Yeah, you bring that up, and it reminds me of this last summer here in St. Louis. Albert Pujols did a few things. Yeah. Winding his career down and just had an amazing final couple months of the season. And, you know, we're at a number of the games, and something would be happening. I'm like, do I have to record this? Or can I just experience it? Or is this the one where he's going to hit 700? Or, you know, what's what's going on? And it was it was a struggle. I'm like, what's the what's the thing where I'm going to get the most enjoyment? Am I going to miss not having the video? Am I going to like that was challenging. And, and I'm not saying one is right and one is wrong. Like there is something about capturing the moment so that you can have it for years to come. Because honestly, say you were at that and you saw him hit 700 and you had a picture of it or a video of it and you're there with your daughter. Like that's something that 20 years from now, you can still tell the story and you guys can look at the video together and be like, Hey, remember when we saw this? Yeah. And so there's nothing that's wrong with that. I just, for me, uh, it's something that I kind of was challenged at to make sure that I am more present. And I still have a ton of pictures of kids on my phone yeah, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. and videos and in moments and things like that. So I'm not missing those. What I just find is if I'm going to take my phone out, I'm going to snap a quick picture and I'm going to put it back in my pocket. And I'm not just going to try to capture every moment. Guys, try to quick, capture- thing, quick thing on the phone. Actually, I got a couple quick things. One quick thing is take pictures of your wife. So take action shots of your wife around the kids. Like she's often the one behind the camera. And she never has a picture of herself doing something like that. Yeah, absolutely. So that was a gem somebody gave me years ago. Another one that seems like a simple one and seems like you'll have millions of pictures of you and your wife together. Go back and look through and see how many pictures you have you you and your wife together. You know, wedding day, you got a lot. After that, what do you got? Who's taking those pictures? It might not be you. And it might not be your wife. And if somebody else isn't doing it, you might not have that many where it's just you and her. You might have a whole lot of pictures of you, her, and the kids, but you might not have a whole lot of just you and her. So when you have those moments, stop for just a second and snap a quick picture and put a great smile on and show your love for your wife so that she's got that picture later on that goes, oh yeah, we did have a great night that that night. You know, or you go to put a Valentine's card together or a anniversary card or something. There's some resources for you. You're going to have some pictures if you take them. Yeah. I'm always real intentional on the picture side of things that especially now, because there's so many people, everybody knows someone that takes pictures or there's people in your area that are, they do something else with their full-time job and they're an aspiring photographer on the side. And so I always find anytime I find a photographer that's doing like, Hey, for $75, we'll do 30 minutes of pictures for your family. And that's a photographer that's like booking up their Saturday with 10 families doing that same thing. I always will try to find a way to make those work because I'm like, one, we're going to take pictures of the family, which is something that is very important to my wife. And every time we're in one of those settings, I always ask the photographer, hey, can you snap a couple of me and my wife? Just yes. Yes. We're going to take a picture real like they might have to wrangle the kids to be looking in the right place and smiling. But my wife and I are both in our 40s. We know where to look. We know how to smile and we know how to be ready. And every single time I've had a photographer that's like, yeah, you pay this much money for 20 pictures. I might get 20 pictures of the family and I'm going to get 10 pictures of my wife and I because they thought it was such a cool thing that, hey, he wants to like be present with his wife that she doesn't have to be holding a kid in every single picture she takes for that 20 year segment of her life. I do like, the same thing. And we just did that at Christmas. 
And my wife looked at me like, it's cold outside. It's blah, blah, blah. And I said, honey, I love you. Like, I, I really would like this. And she goes, yeah, me too. And yeah. so it was kind of that opportunity to show your love where she actually feels it. And she feels it in front of a stranger. Like, you honored me in front of a, a total stranger. And, you know, the photographer oftentimes is a woman. And the woman's like, oh, look, look at that, you know, wonderful husband. Yeah. And what are you teaching your kids? Because you're modeling it open in the public for in front of somebody else. You're teaching your kids that, y- yes, we can be spiritual. Your relationship with God is one, but your relationship with your wife is two. And while the kids are great, they're not two and they shouldn't be two. Like my daughters are amazing. I love them with everything inside me, but I'm a better dad when I'm a better husband. Did you have to have that conversation with your wife about one and two and three? For my wife, it came natural. Okay. And my wife, she picked up on it by the way, because we had, we had years of marriage before we had kids. Okay. And so there was just one, us. And so our faith was something that was important to us and our relationship was something else. But um, we make sure that she, like she saw very quickly that I'm there to serve her, especially as she's a mother. Um I had a dad growing up that made most of our family dinners. And that's something that I saw modeled. That was his way to serve my mom after having three kids at home all day, like be able to take that off her plate. And I cook the majority of the meals in our family. I love cooking. We have conversations about, hey, what do you want for dinner? And we do that kind of stuff. But my kids see me do that because it's one of those things of we're kind of breaking down the gender barriers that everybody says the wife is the person that's supposed to do that. Like even today, I am working from home because I have a daughter that is sick. And this morning at 5.30, when my wife was talking to me about the she's sick, we need to take her to the doctor. There was no hesitation in my mind of, well, sorry, my job's more important than yours. You need to take the day off so that you can take her to the doctor. I said, okay, I have two different meetings today that if we could schedule the appointment around those meetings, that's great. If not, I've got her. Nice. So this morning, I dropped the other two kids off at school. I went and grabbed my laptop from my office at work, and we went to the doctor, and she's in the other room right now. And there's no reason that we need to put that burden on our wives, that they have to be the person that is solely responsible for things like cooking or cleaning or taking care of a kid when they're sick. That's awesome. I lo- love that we're able to incorporate these last few minutes with just some really, really great great things. So I think a lot of the guys uh, needed to hear some of these and probably a lot of the guys have some extras they'd like to chip in and help us out with. So For if you sure. got any of those, shoot those to us, whether it's a uh, Facebook or uh, shoot us an email at uh, the Christian dad podcast at gmail.com. Love, love to hear about that. So we always close the shoe out with a challenge for the guys. So something that might be hard, might be simple, but something that they can do week to week. And I always let the guest pick what the challenge is. So something that guys can do between this week and next week's episode that comes out that'll help them become a better dad, better husband, could be a faith challenge, could be a a sports challenge, could be a fitness challenge, just kind of any sort of thing that might be even completely stupid, useless, and utterly pointless. However, if it's something that'll cause them to be uncomfortable or push the limits or uh, think a little differently or think about something throughout the week, whatever that might be, 
maybe I've stalled long enough for you to come up with a challenge. I don't know. I got a challenge for everybody. My challenge would be to find a way to celebrate your wife in front of your kids that is outside the norm of what it looks like for you. Find a way to appreciate her for doing just the everyday things that she does. Find a way to, uh, and you have to do this publicly in front of your kids because that is what really is going to model it. Um, and they're going to see it and they're going to understand that part of a healthy marriage and a healthy relationship is that. And so find a way to surprise your wife by saying, if you're the guy that doesn't say all the nicest things in the world in front of your kids, find a way to do it in front of them publicly. Like even if it's, hey, thanks for making dinner tonight. Thanks for washing the clothes and folding them. Thanks for uh, making sure the kids got in bed in time. Something like that. Find a way to do that. Yeah, it'll, absolutely. Man, it'll the way it's going to make your wife feel is going to pay dividends down the road. Absolutely. Absolutely. I love that challenge. I love that challenge. So when John O'Leary was on a little while back, he talked about having a a book that he wrote something about his wife every single day for the entire year. And that was her Christmas present. That's so awesome. I wrote, I love this about my wife. My wife did this. I appreciate this about my wife. And on his podcast, yes. Yes, what people will take out of the house if there's a burning fire. So all the kids are out, all the animals are out, and well, it'd be something you'd run back and get one item. And so I asked that question to him, and he's like, "Man, I go back in and I'd get that that book." Yeah. So you know, the little book or journal cost twenty, thirty bucks or whatever. So no monetary value, but it was yeah. all the thoughts and love that he put into that, that his wife appreciated so greatly. So I love, love, love your challenge. Thank you so, so much for coming on with us. I appreciate you sharing your time, especially with knowing you got a sick one in the other room. So, so you, you had, you had a real easy way to go. No, I got to call out today. Reschedule. No, I, it was important to me. So awesome. Well, I appreciate it a lot. And thank you for, for your part in all these different movies and guys, uh, February 24th, Jesus Revolution will be out. So go get tickets, go watch that movie, tell everybody about it, share some pics on social media. You can grab some screenshots of some pictures that are out there promoting the movie. The name is Jesus Revolution. Yes, the Kelsey Grammer's in the movie. Yes, Jonathan Ruemi is in the movie. And yes, somehow they figure out a way to take away the Frasier and the Jesus characters that you know him for so well and actually portray these characters that that are in the movie they do an amazing amazing job and uh, you know it's so cool to be able to see that movie before it was re released at the theaters and now i can't wait to see the theater version yeah in a that's weeks. awesome yeah thanks for having me dan yeah absolutely my pleasure and guys uh i'll put jeremy's info in the show notes and we'll link his the everyday dad podcast in there as well so thank you guys for listening this week Dive into that challenge, get that one accomplished by next week. And uh, as always, thank you so much for dropping in those reviews on Apple Podcast. Have a great week. God bless you guys. Bye-bye. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Journey of a Christian Dad podcast. Thank you guys for being a light. Shine that light out and let others see it. With you guys, part of this community, it helps me be accountable to you guys. It helps me be accountable to myself. 
be accountable to God and Jesus. I hope you appreciated this episode and picked up some great things. Hope you like the challenge and hope you can execute on that challenge this week. I ask of you, please subscribe, share the show with others, join us inside of the Journey of a Christian Dad on Facebook, inside our private community. Share that community with others, have your buddies join, have other dads that are looking to grow in their faith grow as spiritual leaders of their family as we engage in our journey and be intentional with it we can help others grow theirs as well we thank you again for listening we thank you for all your reviews look forward to reading a review of yours on a future show so dear god thanks for blessing all of us and thanks for drawing us closer to you in your name we pray amen have fun guys